Hey there, I'm Daphna Chazen, and this is the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast. On the show, we talk about managing PCOS using proven strategies, ditching diets for good, and balancing hormones naturally. Let's get to it. as much as I do, and you want to feel more planned out and prepared when it comes to the meals and snacks that you're eating throughout the day, today's episode is definitely for you. I have a wonderful guest on the show today. Her name is Meggie, and she's an expert in helping women with PCOS plan meals and feel more prepared without spending hours in the kitchen. Now, I know that this topic applies to pretty much everyone because if you want to feel consistent, if you want to feel like you're really taking control back over your PCOS symptoms, food is where it's at. And you need to be prepared. You need to have some sort of a strategy or a routine in the kitchen in order to do it successfully. So we're going to talk about how to not burn out, how to not eat boring food all the time because you think you should be eating those healthy quote unquote meals. We're going to talk about how to manage PCOS meal planning with a busy schedule. And Meggie is here to share some great tips and advice about this topic. Meggie Connolly is a registered dietitian, nutritionist, PCOS expert, and culinary nutritionist who helps individuals with PCOS and chronic dieters go from confused, frustrated, and exhausted to confident, glowing, and balanced. I mean, who wouldn't want that, right? She holds a Master of Science degree in Nutrition and Dietetics from Deuville College in Buffalo, New York. I hope I said that correctly, but probably not. Her research focused on identifying the perceived risk for developing type 2 diabetes in women with PCOS. So Meggie understands the challenges and the health risks that are associated with PCOS. And again, what she'll share here today will show you how to balance healthy eating with enjoying your food, getting excited about your meals, and not spending hours and hours slaving in the kitchen just to feel prepared and ready for your week. Now, you won't be surprised to find out that Meggie says her first love has always been food, and when she's not saving individuals from a life of bland and boring food, she's a mother, wife, and PCOS advocate. You're going to love her. She is the sweetest person, and I'm going to link below to all her resources and where to find her online so you can start following Meggie and get all the goodness that she shares. All right, let's get into my conversation with Meggie Connolly. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Daphna. I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm excited about today's topic because I know everyone's going to be interested in it. Who doesn't want to know more about meal planning and prepping? It's such a huge part of managing PCOS and managing health in general. So, and you always make me hungry when I follow you <laughs> on social media. So I'm, cool. looking, <laughs> I'm looking forward to everything you have to offer. Before we do that, tell my listener a little bit about yourself. What do you do? Who you are? All of that good stuff. Yeah, I'm Maggie Conley. I'm a registered dietitian and culinary nutritionist and PCOS expert. I'm a mom of a two-year-old and I run a nutrition coaching business and I have a culinary nutrition course for PCOS called the PCOS Kitchen Cooking Course. So my goal is to help women with PCOS realize that they don't have to follow restrictive diets and they can actually enjoy delicious food and still improve their PCOS. So that's my mission. 
Okay, great. And I think that's a big misconception where women or people in general think if I'm eating healthy, I can enjoy my food. It's not going to taste good. It's going to be boring. So we're going to definitely dispel this myth today because you can have both, right? You can definitely enjoy your food. Okay, great. When you speak to women, do you find that they have resistance to meal planning or that they feel like it's a difficult thing to do? Yes, they usually do. They usually come to me and they're usually really excited about it. Or they're like, no way, there's no, I can't fit that in. Like, how am I going to do that? They're really excited about it because they're ready to make a change. But then reality hits them because they feel like they have to do like all day on Sunday, like meal prep. Because in their minds, they think meal planning, meal means all day meal cooking, like cooking and meal prep. Um, So a lot of resistance of like, you're going to spend your whole day with that. Or they just don't know what to do because they don't know exactly what to eat when you have PCOS. And how to plan meals for the whole family. That's another big thing. You know, like, they'll be like, my partner doesn't like this or my kids don't like that. So there's a lot of aspects of meal planning. It's like they're overwhelmed, they're stressed, they're not sure exactly what to eat for PCOS. And then they want to know how they can fit it into their life. Okay. And why would that be important? Like, can someone just kind of wing it if they know how to put meals together? Should they be meal planning in advance? How do you feel about that? I feel everybody is different. So for me, like I love to cook and I find it fun. Like I call it a challenge. Like I open up my fridge and I'm like, what can I make? So it depends on your culinary confidence. Like if you're confident in your cooking skills and you know how to make a bunch of recipes without really looking at a recipe and you feel good about flavor combinations and about composing your plate, you know, making sure you are getting a balance of your carbohydrates, your protein and your healthy fats and fiber, you know, that's fine. You don't have to do it in a structured way. I mean, I still do it because I don't have a lot of time. So it is important, I think, to at least come up with a plan. So you have that food available in your house. I think everybody should be making a a simple plan every week. So you have food in your home that you've gone shopping for or have it delivered so you can make those meals. But if you come home at 5, 5.30 and you're like, what are we going to eat? You're most likely not going to be successful because you don't know exactly what to do. You don't have a plan. And when you have you know, PCOS, sometimes you deal with like low blood sugars or cravings and you're most likely going to order pizza that night. Like that's just what's going to happen. And that might not help you reach your goals if you're consistently ordering takeout. So I think no matter what your level of confidence in the kitchen is, meal planning can be important. I think if you're a little confused about what to eat for PCOS or you don't feel confident, following some of these ideas we'll talk about will definitely help increase that. Okay, great. So you mentioned time for sure. That's a barrier. And you have a little one and I have kids and a lot of listeners do have kids or just busy schedules, even if they don't have children. Do you find that that's the biggest obstacle or are there other than that? And let's say overwhelm and confusion, which I do agree with you. Sometimes women hear so much of what they can't eat. And every Mm -hmm. single thing you learn about PCOS is this is not great for you. You should really omit that. And then there's absolutely nothing left to eat. Right. (laughs) So that PCOS too. So I understand. And that's, you know, that's very discouraging too. And that's where I think a lot of women end up eating the same boring salad with chicken and they burn out because they are afraid to venture out of that and they don't know what the other options are, right? So do you feel that that and time are the biggest obstacles to meal planning? Yeah, you have it like down pat. It's time and then not knowing. And 
when you don't feel like you have the time and you don't know, it's like even worse. So even if you have an idea, it's like, well, how can I make like healthy meals quickly? How can I prep up some things or how can I kind of batch cook as needed? But I think that was a big turning point for me because like when I was a, before I had my my baby, I would eat, I would make, you know, crazy meals every, every night of the week. I was like, never try a recipe twice. And then when I had my daughter, I was like, Whoa, what has happened? How am I going to do this? I have 10, 15 minutes to make food (laughs) maybe. And it's not all hands on time too. So that's a big adjustment and learning to make simple meals that you can just enjoy and not have to spend all night in the kitchen or even less stuff to clean up too. (laughs) Like you don't want to make a whole bunch of pots and pans too. Right. Okay. What about people who have a pretty low skill level in the kitchen they're not comfortable they just don't like cooking or they feel like when they do cook it's more stress than than a benefit mm-hmm. most of my clients and i know most of the women listening right now are foodies they do love to cook they do enjoy food but mm-hmm. some people don't some people don't want to be bothered so how would that kind of person or that kind of you know experience in the kitchen fit in with meal planning I think if that's fine, if you understand like your limitations and then you need to know what you can purchase in the store, whether it's already like fresh prepared or cut up veggies or frozen veggies or how you can bring in convenience items. And I have like a whole module in my course about convenience cooking. So how can we use like a jar of tomato sauce in five ways? You know, how could you use convenience proteins? And a lot of it could just be like assembly or simple cooking methods you know, roasting vegetables is one of the simplest things that you can do. So you don't have to make new recipes all the time or a gourmet meal, but I think it it is important for achieving optimal health and improving your PCOS. If you learn simple cooking techniques, like how to make a whole grain, like how to boil, you know, farro, how to make farro or brown rice, or even frozen brown rice in the free from the freezer section. But using like simple cooking techniques, how to, you know, cut up some veggies, or if you want to, you could just purchase them. So I think it's under, that's part of one of my suggestions when it comes to meal planning is be realistic where you're at. Don't mm-hmm. expect to make, you know, Yoda Madalingi's, you know, recipes from the cookbook simply. If you're foodies, you know what it is. Like it's very complex. You know, you're going to pick more 10 minute meals and very low prep. And that's what I kind of work with. It's each individual is almost a little different where their skill level is and what they're willing to do. You know, I have one client right now, like doesn't want to spend very much time in the kitchen, doesn't want to chop things. So we had to work around to see like, what could she buy already that to make me like, that's made like frozen veggies or convenience foods that she can easily put together meals. Okay. And I know you talk about perfection and all or nothing thinking. So when you said purchasing food or using convenience items, I know some people may be thinking, well, is that healthy? Is that quote unquote clean, right? We hear a lot about, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that, having ingredients that maybe are not good for PCOS. So I want to talk a little bit about what we need to unlearn here, because I know you and I have the same philosophy where perfectionism is not going to get you very far in this world in general, and certainly with health and PCOS. So when you say convenience item, can you explain how you combine those prepared foods with things that people can make simply at home? And how do you, how how can someone find balance between prepared convenience items and things that they make from scratch? Oh yeah, that's a great one. One of the ones I was just looking at when I was like looking over my course before I came in is like some simple things to do with tomato sauce. So you could take a jar of tomato sauce. You know, you want to choose one that maybe has like lower sugar, real ingredients using like extra virgin olive oil, things like that. But you could take the jar of tomato sauce, 
you put it in the pot with some water, like three cups of water. You add in a bag of frozen cauliflower rice, some oregano, and a half a cup of cashews and simmer it together and then puree it. And then you have a creamy tomato soup and you have extra fiber added. You have some protein and healthy fats and you could sprinkle cheese on top, you know, then you could make like grilled cheese sandwiches for the rest of your family or make one for yourself. Like you can use these simple ingredients to make simple meals. You don't have to, you know, like make a homemade tomato soup by yourself. But I think so. You you're ask- saying, but still look at the ingredients, still read the labels, check what's in your food. You can buy something from the store that could be actually a great option for you, even yeah. though it's pre made. Yes. Because the word process is anything like not in its natural state. So, like, fruit can be processed just by the way it's like packaged. Right. Some of the best convenience foods are going to be like canned beans and tuna and canned chicken frozen vegetables are already cut up, frozen fruit, rotisserie chickens. Like there's so many foods that you can get at the market that you can easily make to like make meals. One of my favorite things is to do is like a a bowl, like a grain bowl. So buy like a frozen grain, you could pop it in the microwave, buy a box of arugula, rotisserie chicken. You can even buy veggies cut up. And I usually like roast those like Brussels sprouts Mm -hmm. and add in some fresh ingredients, maybe like cucumber, bell pepper, scallion, whatever, and then drizzle it with a dressing. So you can just, you kind of learn the technique on how to build certain meals, but you can definitely start from those convenience items when like those healthier convenience items, but you can always start with like foods that you enjoy and add to them. So I think you teach the plate method as well when it comes to balancing meals. So I always say like, if making big changes in your diet is hard, Start with the same meals that you have been cooking for your family and then just add one extra thing to it. So maybe you need to add more vegetables. So add more vegetables to your plate, but you could still continue to make, you know, the burger and the mac and cheese, but just add the veggies to it. And that could be a simple meal planning strategy where you start from there. Okay, great. So speaking about the plate method, can you just go through what that looks like and how you teach it? Because first of all, I'm always curious to hear how other people are teaching it and the foundations are the same, but Mm -hmm. some people may still be thinking about having a special type of diet or including only special types of foods, whereas the basics are very, very simple Mm -hmm. and that's where everyone should start. So can you walk us through the plate method? Yeah. So I love using the plate method because I it's a way to kind of structure your meals and not have to calorie count, not have to count carbs. Like you're just using it as a method to kind of portion your food. And that when you follow this method, you're going to end up with a lot of fiber in your diet. You're going to end up with like a little bit less calories because you're going to have a lot more vegetables on your plate. And I, it's a technique you can use everywhere. So if you're going to a friend's house, like you don't have to not eat the food the people prepare for you. You just might have to proportion it differently on your plate. So if you look at a plate and if you draw a line down the center, half of your plate, I recommend to do like non-starchy veggies, or you could do like that half be like non-starchy veggies and maybe like a a quarter of it, non-starchy veggies and a quarter fruit depends on the meal and what you want. And then the other half of your plate, I like to do one quarter to be a, a complex carb, like a whole grain or beans or potatoes. And then the other quarter, I like to do a protein. So plant-based or animal-based And that kind of gives you a guidance where you're getting a good amount of carbs at your meal to provide you energy and fiber. And then you're getting lots of the uh, fiber from the fruits and the veggies and then protein to help keep you full and satisfied. And then I always recommend drizzling some fat over your meals because fat makes things taste good, helps stabilize your blood sugars. So usually with like nuts or seeds or dressings or olive oil, things like that. 
So that's how I teach the plate method to my clients. So they can start off even just eating the same meals, but maybe we need to make half that plate vegetables. And then they can still have the same meals that they're preparing for the rest of their family on the other side. Okay, great. And which of these components do you find people struggle with planning for the most? Vegetables, (laughs) produce. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes they're like, yeah, I can do it. I just never had that much before. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But veggies are the hard one because we're not really taught like, and I took some home ec classes for like two years in middle school. I took culinary lessons in college and I don't think we focused on vegetables. So making vegetables taste delicious is like not well known. So in order to eat that quantity of veggies, you know, you want to increase your vegetable intake for just overall health. You have to make them taste good. You have to want to eat them. So that's one of the struggles that people have. I think. Yeah. And I think also pulling them, not just, you know, out of dinner, well, maybe pulling them out is not the right way to, to put it, but spreading them out throughout your whole day. A lot yeah. of people are pretty consistent with adding a vegetable to their dinner plate, mm-hmm. but there's no vegetables to be found anywhere else in their day. Yeah. And I think that's a big challenge as well, because it's hard to get to that amount or the recommended amount if you're just eating them once a day and you're not thinking about veggies any other time. Yes, I agree. And I think that's what one of the best things you can do for your PCOS. And I know it was for mine. It was just adding in as many vegetables as I can can throughout the day, different meals. Instead of focusing on all the negative of all the things you have to eliminate, just focus on adding more vegetables in, trying to get them in at breakfast, whether you add it to a smoothie or an omelet or scrambled eggs, and then how you can incorporate it with your lunch or your snacks. That's one of the, I think, the best steps to start with. Yeah. And I love the positive approach to it where you're adding to your plate. We're not eliminating anything. Literally any type of food that you like can fit on the plate. There are different qualities to different components. You know, not all carbs are created equal and all of that. But at the end of the day, if you're thinking about crowding your plate with the stuff that your body needs, naturally, you're going to be eating less of the other stuff that you may, you know, not find as helpful. And I think that's a really great positive way of looking at the plate method. And it also, like you said in the beginning, helps women enjoy food. Because if you love mac and cheese, like you mentioned, or if you love pizza and you're thinking that it can never fit because it doesn't fit with the plate method, you're going to feel really sad. You're going to feel deprived, right? Yeah. You're going to feel sad and deprived and you're going to focus on that food and you're going to fixate on it. And then most likely when it comes back into your life, because you go to a party or your husband brings it home or something like you're going to eat a lot, most likely, you know, you kind of, when you, when you avoid foods that you enjoy, sometimes you end up overeating them, you know, and that's not really improving that relationship with food. I want you to feel like you can always eat any food that you really want. And then you want to make sure you're getting in those foods that really benefit your health as well. Yeah. And I think for a lot of women, it's also in the education. And I'm sure you teach this and I do as well, where you can understand how pizza can fit in, what part of your meal does it fulfill as far as nutrition, and then you know how to balance it out. But a lot of people, you know, may not realize, well, what does this count as or where does this fit in? And therefore, it's harder to make it a balanced plate. Yeah, that is a challenge, especially if you work with someone that doesn't really understand like PCOS or nutrition, they're just like, no, you can't eat pizza. Yes. It's like, well, that's not realistic. All right. So I know you prepared a few principles of meal planning that you believe in and you want to share today. Let's get started with the first one. What would that be? I mean, the first one is simple, but it is plan. Like actually take some time to sit down and like write it out on a piece of paper or on your phone 
or use a meal planning software or something like that. But you have to actually like dedicate at least 10 minutes to what you are going to eat that week. And I think it's important to plan not only your dinners, but the challenging things can be like breakfast or your snacks. You know, if you're used to planning dinners, then maybe you need to work on your your breakfast or your snacks for the week, but actually take some time to write it out. So you have an idea, you can go to the store and purchase the food. The next one I have is be realistic with your time. So before you move into that, I'm curious, what do you use? Do you use a plain piece of paper or do you use software? Sometimes I use, I use my software because I have a meal planning software that I use to pull recipes from. Okay. And then some, and then I'll put it in my phone, like on my notes. And then I do love a little piece of paper. Like I will, I like to sit with like a cookbook. Like I pick, this is another tip, I guess. I pick one cookbook for the week and then I just like take some recipes out of that cookbook and I write them down. And that's how I like meal plan or I'll go to like my meal planning software and I just pick a couple recipes from there. I find that helps because a lot of times the cuisine is the same. So you're going to buy ingredients that are going to be used in numerous things. So some cookbook authors like love scallions and feta. So then, you know, most of the recipes are going to have those. Or if you pick a type of cuisine where you're going to add like cilantro, you know, you're not just going to use like two tablespoons of cilantro. You'll use it for the whole week. So I'll do it either way. I think it really depends on like where I'm at in the week. If I and do you account for leftovers or do you prepare something else? Like, do you eat all the meals, all the portions that you prepare? Or do you usually plan for leftovers? When I was single, I always planned for leftovers, but my husband loves to eat. So I usually don't have leftovers. If I I do, and I know I, I usually like to plan for that for lunches. So I will try to increase the quantity. So I usually scale the recipes up to do double. And then that way I have like lunches for the week for myself. Because okay. I love leftovers. Yeah, me too. Okay, great. And how do you do the breakfast? Do you repeat? Do you alternate? Tell us a little bit more about that. For personally, I'm a very set breakfast person because I found a breakfast that I love. And that for me, it fills me up and keeps me full because I have PCOS too. So when I would eat just like cereal, like my blood sugar would just drop. So I found that for me, oatmeal with peanut butter, flaxseed, maple syrup, cinnamon, and blueberries works. So that's what I pretty much have most days of the week. And then on the weekends, I might make something more special. Okay, great. So that's what I do. But I recommend you plan your breakfast for sure. And yes, what about realistic. snacks? Oh, snacks. For well, How do I recommend planning those or for my snacks? Both. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> snacks are so important for me. I always keep a nuts and dried fruit in my purse at all times. So I always keep pistachios and dried cherries because... I call them like emergency snacks. You should never be without snacks when you have PCOS. I also keep emergency chocolate in there too, like a chocolate, (laughs) because if you're craving something sweet, it's a lot better of a choice than going through like the Chick-fil-A drive-thru and getting a milkshake. That's how I feel. Okay, great. I had a client not too long ago who was traveling a lot and the airport security guy pulled out literally a Ziploc with chicken pieces (laughs) out of her bag. And he was like, what in the world are you doing? She's like, this is my protein snack. Put it back, please. So yes, always be carrying your snacks. Always be carrying your snacks. I love, I mean, I, snacks can vary for me. I lot, sometimes it's just like little leftover pieces of meals where they, maybe there's only like a cup or half cup of dinner or something like that. I do love like bell peppers and cucumbers with a dip of some sort. Those are, that's one of my go-to snacks because they're super easy to cut up. And then I just have like, you know, hummus or black bean dip or tzatziki or something like that. Yeah. And those are extra veggies in your day. So that relates back to what we talked about before. Okay, great. Tell us the next principle you wanted to share. So the next one was to be realistic with your time frame. 
So I always recommend looking at your week. You know, do you have a soccer game to go to? Do you, are you going to be late one night for, from work? Or what do you have going on in your life that week? Are you realistically going to be able to make your breakfast and your lunch each morning? So you have to look at what's going to work for you and then plan around that. So maybe there's going to be nights where you're going to be very busy. You're going to get home late. So maybe that's a night where you're doing pizza and you're adding like a side salad with that pizza. You know, so it's just planning ahead and being strategic with the choices that you're making. Do you need to make up your breakfast for the whole week on Sunday? So you could just grab it out of the fridge and go. So be realistic. Don't try to be perfect and realize like how much time you actually have each day to prepare your meals. Yes. So planning to get a pizza is also a form of planning. You can always supplement that with veggies. And I think the way that you set it up makes a huge difference because if you're creating this picture perfect meal plan for the week and you're able to only stick to 20% of it, that's very discouraging. Mm-hmm. And you're going to feel like you're constantly behind or defeated. So I do agree with you. Being realistic is really important. If for nothing else, just for you feeling like you're on track with the plan that you made, right? That creates self-confidence. Yes. And that's you're more likely to continue as you're achieving those small little goals and habit week by week. Okay, great. We're on the same page on that for sure. Yeah. The next thing would be to plan only maybe one, two new recipes per week because trying out new recipes can be overwhelming. So say you're like, oh, I want to start cooking healthy, add one or two recipes in because your, your goal is to learn them, learn how to create them and feel confident with them. So eventually you'll be able to incorporate them, you know, more of these healthy recipes into your repertoire each week, but don't overwhelm yourself by picking up five new recipes each week to try. That will just lead to overwhelm and you're most likely going to come like after three days, you're gonna be like, I don't want to do this anymore because it could take a little bit longer the first time you make it. What cookbook are you loving right now? I want to know. Oh man. Or recently. I love all of Ellie Krieger's cookbooks. Like I'm obsessed with all of those. I do love the easy weeknight Mediterranean meals. I use Mm -hmm. that one a lot. And I love, like I mentioned before, Yoda Madalingi's all of his cookbooks. Um, yep. He has a new one, like Pantry Love. So it's like pantry staples and creating like meals from there. Oh, I love that. That's super convenient. Yes. Do you think that the Mediterranean diet is a good fit for PCOS above most other types of ways of eating? I, yeah, I do. Because of all the research that shows that it can help decrease inflammation and prevent chronic diseases. But I like to mentioned that it's like, you probably know too, but to your listeners, it's a pattern of eating, not like you have to eat certain foods where you sense like you have to eat like Mediterranean flavors, but the Mediterranean diet, I, that's the one that I find is more realistic and more sustainable mm-hmm. for the diets. You know, the Mediterranean dash diet, I kind of see them as pretty similar. And those are the, the patterns of eating that I usually recommend for people with PCOS. How do you feel about using beans and legumes as protein sources? I'm curious, because that's a big part of the Mediterranean lifestyle. Yeah, I, I definitely recommend incorporating beans and legumes like at least three times a week, because there's a lot of research that shows it's really beneficial. We want to improve that gut microbiome. And a plant-focused diet is actually one that I recommend. Like I still consume animal products and I totally fine to do that, but moving towards that plant-focused diet is going to be better for the environment as well as your overall health. So I highly recommend adding beans and legumes to your meals at least three times a week. Yeah. And with meal prepping, it is easy to incorporate them because canned beans are great and already prepped and super Mm -hmm. convenient and they never go bad. So I absolutely agree. 
Yes. I love when I don't have two of every kind of bean in my pantry, I feel like what's, oh my gosh, I have to get to the store. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. Take us through the next principle. Okay. The next time is to utilize your time in the kitchen strategically. So if you don't have a lot of time to cook, but maybe you have like two nights to cook a week, you can, instead of just cooking one meal, try cooking one something in the oven, on the stove, and maybe something in your crock pot or Instapot. So use that time efficiently. So you might feel like you're like on chops, you know, like on our show because you're like moving around, but it's like one night in the kitchen, maybe like an hour or two, maybe a two. It really depends on what you're making. But if I'm going to be putting something in the oven, like a sheet pan meal on the next rack, I'm going to put a rack of, of veggies to roast for the rest of the week, maybe for it to add to my lunch or something like that. So I highly recommend using like Stovetop, the oven, and then maybe an appliance or something like that on the side. Multitasking in the Multitasking. kitchen. Multitasking. Yeah. I like that. I yeah. love that. Okay, great. What else? You can do, instead of doing meal prep for like your whole week where people feel like they have to prep breakfast, lunch, and dinner and put them all in like beautiful little containers, just start by doing, if you really want a meal prep and you find that one meal is a challenge for you, like you're not able to get a good breakfast in that's satisfying and filling and giving you energy just start with prepping one meal at a time. So maybe just your your breakfast, you do a meal prep for on Sundays. So it's not overwhelming because it doesn't take that much time to kind of put together maybe like a chia pudding or overnight oats or bake off some eggs or something like that or chop the veggies for your omelet. So start small. Don't feel like you have to do meal prep for all of your meals and spend all day cooking. I find that a lot of women are struggling with lunch ideas. Can you give us some lunch ideas, things that are really quick, portable women can take to work and they're balanced. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Cause I do that where I kind of, my lunches are usually not super composed, but they usually involve a protein of some sort. And I usually choose like a hummus or a bean dip because it's always in my house and it's super easy. So I start with like some bean dip hummus, or I'll make like a tuna salad or maybe chicken salad or purchase it. And then I add a bunch of cut up veggies. So my favorite ones are sweet like bell peppers, cucumbers, some carrots. So I throw in a whole bunch of veggies. Then I throw in maybe like a cheese stick and maybe some whole grain crackers and then maybe some fruit too. So I, it's kind of like a little snack board. That's one of my go-to lunches because it's easy. If I'm home or I have the ability to cook, I usually make like scrambled eggs, like an omelet. So I add a mm -hmm. bunch of veggies to the pan like and frozen veggies are your friends. So frozen bell pepper strips, frozen spinach, throw it in there. It will kind of defrost in the pan, add the eggs in, scramble them up. And then I have it with like some, some whole grain toast or something like that. Okay, great. What else? What kind of other things do you do for meal prepping for yourself or for your clients? I do a lot of roasting of vegetables. I love making like a grain vegetable salad because one, I'm actually not like a salad person because most of them aren't very good. <laughs> you know, people think like salads have to be like romaine lettuce and like a cucumber and a tomato and that's it. But I love creating really tasty salads with a lot of like textures and flavors. So I always recommend my clients if they want to do a meal prep for lunch to make a roasted vegetable grain salad. So while you're roasting a sheet pan, because sheet pan dinners are fantastic, on the next rack, roast some veggies. It's whatever you have in the house. On the stove, boil some grains up. My favorite sparrow, or you can use like frozen grains, steam them up, make a dressing. And then when it comes out, you're going to combine them. And then I recommend adding in veggies that are going to stay fresh for the week. So not like watery veggies, so fresh watery veggies. So you have the roasted vegetable component, which caramelizes the vegetables, 
you add the grain or some extra fiber and just kind of keep you full. And then I'll add a can of beans and then I add a fresh veggie component like shredded cabbage or maybe kale or red peppers or something like that. And then I add flavor. So I add cheese, I add a, a dressing, I add nuts, something for crunch, like that. Kind of mm-hmm. thing. So it's kind of like a formula. And that can stay in the fridge for like probably four or five days without getting like soggy or gross. So that's one of the best strategies I have for lunch. If you want to take some time to prep up a healthy lunch for the week. Okay. I have three follow-up questions for you about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to get really specific. What <laughs> veggies do you find are best for roasting? Ooh. And my follow-up question to that follow-up question is, <laughs> do you pay attention to seasonality in terms of veggies throughout the year? Yes, I do. I live in Florida, so I'm kind of blessed where I'm like, we're coming into strawberry season. I have a strawberry farm down the street from my house. So my seasons are quite different. Right. So I definitely like to try to add in seasonal foods, but mine's opposite than everybody. I feel like like our (laughs) farmer's markets are just starting now. So this is when I'm going to get like the good tomatoes in. And in August, I'm not getting good tomatoes unless they're greenhouse grown, I guess. (laughs) I also like to do a lot of seasonal foods, like the vegetables, like in the spring, I'll do like snap peas or asparagus and things like that, because it makes me feel like I have seasons when in Florida, you don't have seasons. And I like to do a lot of squashes in the winter, but back to roasting veggies. I love roasting root vegetables. I love roasting like carrots and parsnips, potatoes, like sweet potatoes or regular potatoes too. Like the baby ones are delicious. And then I love doing like Brussels sprouts, broccoli and cauliflower. Those are some of my go-tos. My new favorite one is mushrooms, roasted mushrooms with like a maple Dijon vinaigrette on them. Oh my God. It's, it's, I call it life-changing. <laughs> it's so good. That's amazing. So for the most part though, veggies that roast well are harder, lower moisture, right? That's what I find. Yeah. You can do like roasted zucchini and roasted tomatoes. Those are great too. I just find that the ones that are harder are going to last a little bit longer throughout the week. Okay. And do you make your own dressing or do you buy? I do make my own dressings because... Of course you do. (laughs) I know. (laughs) You sound like my mom. Like when she says what I tell her what I did. It's like, of course you did that. I have better control on ingredients and I'm allergic to soy. So it's hard to find a dressings that actually don't use like a, an oils, like oils that I can consume. So I, I love just making simple dressings with olive oil, extra virgin olive oil, and then a vinegar. So an acid, so either like lemon juice or maybe apple cider vinegar. And then I put a little squirt of mustard, a little maple syrup, salt, pepper, and you're done. So it's a lot easier than people think. And that it adds a lot of flavor and a big impact to your food. Okay, great. I know you mentioned farro, which is a type of grain I think many people are not familiar with. Can you share a little bit about your favorite grains? Because I know a lot of people know rice Mm -hmm. and that's fine. And a lot of women don't like quinoa, which is the other grain that most people talk about as the healthiest, blah, 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 which is, you know, I think where a lot of stress comes in, where if you don't like something and everyone's talking about it and you're not getting, you know, the opportunity to incorporate it into your day, this is where a little bit of anxiety may come in around food. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the grains that you like, because you mentioned grain salads and give some options for people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I'm not a big quinoa fan either. So I'm just like, people like, oh, a quinoa salad. I'm like, "Mm." it just isn't my personal favorite. I love a grain with like a little bit more texture and chew to it. 
I love farro. It's an ancient grain. I believe it's a like you use a lot in Italian cooking. And it's actually very high in protein per serving. I think it's seven grams of protein per serving, but I don't have the data in front of me. So it's very high in protein. And it just, it has like a, a great texture to it. it. It gets soft, but it has more of a bite. I use it in like risottos. Mm-hmm. So I call it like farotto. So instead of using rice, you could use a whole grain. And they're great. They hold their shape and they're great in grain salads. I also love barley. So that's kind of similar to adding this like a barley soup or kind of cooking it up as well. Like I would borrow bulgur is fantastic. That would be great as like a salad. And then you can even make it as like a breakfast cereal too. Yeah. You know, um, you could do even a breakfast polenta. I just love experimenting with the grains and you can use them in the whole form or some, they can even grind the whole grain and make it into a flour. So you could try using the flours in cookies or muffins or pastry crust, things like that. And are those grains available in most grocery stores? The farro and the barley in the bulgur usually are. The flours that they make with it are usually more of like a specialty grocery store. Or I buy them online. So either Amazon or Bob's Red Mill is a great source. Yeah. And then most health food stores will have all the grains like teft, you know, and millet and all those fun grains to try out. But most grocery stores now have you know, they have the quinoa, they have wild rice, they've got barley, farro, all that stuff. I'd love to get your thoughts on eating on the weekend where people have different schedules. They're more out and about. How do you manage that? That's a good question. I think the biggest thing will be, like, as we said before, is always have snacks (laughs) because if you're going to be leaving your house, you need to have a snack with you. And I always have my clients say like, is it going to be a long day out or a short day? You know, can you make a smoothie and put it in a thermos and take it with you? Or can you pack a little lunch in a lunch box if it's going to be a long day? Or just make sure you have a snack in your purse that's non-perishable. Because as you're out and about and you're running around, eventually you're going to realize you're hungry. And if you have a little snack to tide you over until you can get to a, a place where you either come home or you can find somewhere that you want to eat. So you can make your best choices. I think snacks help set you up for success because it allows you to make the choice that you really want to make for the food that you're going to consume instead of the urgency of having like low blood sugar and cravings. And then you're, you're going to eat whatever's the quickest and easiest. Okay, great. Totally agree. I find that women sometimes need a break throughout the week with meal planning. Even if they do have a night in in the house, you know, they do have some time, but it's just like that taking a breather Mm -hmm. from cooking is a really important way to get more momentum, more energy, more excitement about continuing to do it long-term. How do you feel about that? Oh, I totally agree. (laughs) I usually always, like, I'm not going to lie. I order pizza once a week at least. And those are the nights that I usually like I'm working or something, but yeah, you need that breather. So I'll either try to plan ahead or I get something frozen from like Aldi's or Trader Joe's that I could just pull out and pop it in the, the oven and maybe add a bag salad. Maybe, you know, you need those. You don't have to be perfect every day. You know, like you're one night a week or two nights a week where you're not cooking is not going to ruin your PCOS symptoms or, or, you know, all the progress that you've made and trying to reach your health goals. But you do need to take that time for yourself. So one of the biggest things with PCOS is managing stress and reducing stress in your life. So if having to cook every night is stressing you out, it's not actually going to be beneficial for you. So let your partner cook or go get something that you want to eat, you know, or just 
grab frozen, you know, a healthy option for like a frozen meal. Trader Joe's has some great ones. Aldi's does. Or that's the night I buy a rotisserie chicken and a bag of salad. So. Yes. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you needed a permission slip to take a break from cooking, here you have it. And it's perfectly okay. You're not ruining anything. You can always continue with preparing your own meals the following day or even take a few days off. It is okay to do. It's actually necessary. So 100% recommend. You mentioned your course. I want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about that and some resources that you currently offer. Yeah. So I developed this course after working with individuals in like all settings. I realized that not a, you can tell someone like what to eat in general, but the application of like how to actually make that happen is one of the hardest parts. So especially working with women with PCOS, because we're busy, you know, we're, we're busy. We're not sure exactly what to eat. There's that confusion about, you know, should I be eating this? Should I not be eating this? So all the struggles that we kind of talked about during this episode. So I designed a course, it's called the PCOS Kitchen Cooking Course. So it teaches you exactly what to eat for PCOS and then actually how to do it. So it gives you a nutrition lesson and culinary lesson. And we cover all the food groups. We talk, talk about the basics of PCOS nutrition, as well as how to set up a kitchen that's going to make it easier for you to pr- prepare meals, how to get a pantry set up so you can make convenience meals easily. And then we go through like fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, dairy, non-dairy alternatives, meats, nuts, like all the food groups. And it teaches you how to make simple recipes based off those ingredients. But all skills are really, you know, all people of all cooking skills can take the course. And then there's also modules on convenience cooking and also meal planning as well. I have nine meal planning strategies that I kind of talk about. So you can pick the ones that work for you because what works for me is going to work for me. (laughs) What works for you is going to be completely different. So the goal is to help increase your confidence in the kitchen. So you feel like you can easily make nourishing meals without all that stress and the overwhelm that we usually have. Okay, great. And you also have a free masterclass coming up, right? Yes. I have a free masterclass coming up on December 13th. It's 2022 at 8 p.m. It's basically five meal prep strategies to get healing PCOS foods on your plate. Okay, great. It's December 13th at 8 p.m. And yeah, I'd love to have you guys there. I'm going to be talking about the five strategies, five meal planning strategies to kind of get nourishing meals on the plate without that stress and that overwhelm in your life. Okay, great. So we'll link to that. And also I highly recommend you go check Maggie out on social media. You do live cooking demos, right? From time to time. Yeah, I do them on Instagram and my Facebook community, the PCOS Kitchen, where I do live monthly cooking demos. And I also send out the recipes as well if you join my email list. So I'd love to have you. I love to like do various foods, snacks, breakfast, lunch, dinners, whatever. I love cooking and showing you how simple it can be to make healthy, delicious meals. Okay. I love that. Maggie, this was amazing. I have a few rapid fire questions for you though, before we wrap up. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, great. If you were not a dietitian, what would you be? Oh, that's easy. A pastry chef. Oh, okay. (laughs) I should have known. I should have (laughs) known. Okay. What is your favorite dinner meal right now? Oh man. I love, oh, I love this herb rusted pork tenderloin that I make and I pan sear it and then roast in the oven. And then I do a sheet pan of roasted delicata squash and Brussels sprouts and onions and garlic. It's fantastic. Okay. I'm available to come over. So just let me <laughs> yes, come on over. I'll cook for you. <laughs> if you could go to dinner with one famous person, dead or alive, who would it be? Julia Childs. 
for sure. Okay. That's amazing. Great choice. I want to ask you the last one, which is what is the most underrated habit for PCOS health? Something we don't talk about enough. Oh man, I have like three. Uh, Give us all three. Oh wait, sleep, stress management, and eating snacks. Okay, perfect. Maggie, thank you so much for being here. This was great. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Really enjoy talking about cooking. (laughs) I know it's always a good topic and I know everyone will find value in the episode and the resources that you shared. So we'll link to everything and I hope to have you on again soon. Yes, thank you so much. Have a great week.